Um, so our scripture this morning is going to be a little bit different than typical. So we're not going to read a scripture and then I'm going to talk about it. The scriptures are going to be intermixed into our message today. Because um, today, as um, many of you are familiar, we're in a series about miracles. Um, every day, a miracle. And so we're talking about different miracles that Jesus performed. Um, but today, we're stepping back a little bit and talking about um, water miracles. And so to start with, we start in the Old Testament with some of those water miracles and then um, work our way into Jesus' time and the miracles that he performed with water. So um, I invite you to pray with me as we prepare our hearts to hear this message this morning. So let us pray. Almighty God, we, we ask that you send your spirit in this place so that as we prepare to receive your word, our hearts may be opened and and we be, may be filled with the message that you have for us. Uh, we ask that you open our ears to hear the scripture anew today, and so that we may maybe hear something different and be moved to, to live our lives in a new way. We ask this in your son's holy name. Amen. So Jesus and Moses were playing golf one day. And when they came to the 14th hole, um, which is a particularly nasty 310-yard uh, par 4 with a water hazard in front of the green. Moses leads off and drives a beautiful shot straight down the fairway, laying up uh, 10 yards short of the water hazard. So next, Jesus steps up to the tee and tells Moses, I'm going for the green. I saw Arnold Palmer do it, make this shot last year. No problem for me. Moses advises Jesus, nah, you probably shouldn't do that. You should just kind of go short and then a second shot to get it there. No, no, Arnold Palmer, Arnold Palmer did it, so can I. So Jesus gets up to the tee and hits it, watches it land right in the middle of the water hazard. So Jesus turns to Moses, can you please help me out here and kind of part that water and so I can get to my ball? Moses says, okay, I'll, I'll do it this time. And so he, Moses says, water hazard, part, using Megan's paraphrase. And the water parts, Jesus retrieves his ball, comes back, sets it on the tee again. He says, okay, I'm really going to do this. I saw Arnold Palmer do this. I can do it too. Moses says, yeah, I really think you should try differently. So Jesus tries again. He tees it up. He hits the golf ball. Once again, lands straight in the water. Turns to Moses yet again. Moses, will you help me out here? And spread that water. So Moses helps him out. Jesus go gets his ball. Moses says, I'm not doing this another time. You need to hit, either hit it short or make it all the way to the green. I'm not helping you. So Jesus says, okay, I got this. So for a third time, Jesus tees up, hits his golf ball, lands right in the water. Jesus turns to Moses one more time. Please, will you just part that water? Nope, I'm not going to do it. I told you I wasn't going to help you. So Jesus says, okay, I'll just... Go get it myself. So Jesus walks on water to retrieve his ball. Well, about this time, the next foursome is coming up behind him, and they um, say to one another, like, well, who does this guy think he is, Jesus? And Moses says, no, he thinks he's Arnold Palmer. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you for laughing. Pretty long joke just to get to that punch, but just to introduce us into the idea of... Um, these water miracles, Moses parting the Red Sea, Jesus walking on water, as well as we'll hear more about calming the sea also. 
But I just wanted to, us to think about how important water is in our lives. So a few statistics about water. Um, some of these you may know, some I, I was surprised a little bit about. But roughly 70% of an adult's body is made up of water. And at birth, water uh, counts for approximately 80% of an infant's body. A healthy person can drink about three gallons of water per day. But drinking too much water too quickly can lead to water and um, intoxication, which occurs when water dilutes the sodium level in the bloodstream and cause a water imbalance. And it's usually after for, um, exerting a lot of energy, trying to just in take in a lot of water too fast. Uh, water dissolves more substances than any other liquid. Somewhere between 70 and 75% of the Earth's surface is covered with water. But some of that water is, the water in the, in the Earth is, is underground. Something that I thought was interested in is the Earth is a closed system, similar to a terrarium, meaning that it rarely loses or gains extra matter. So the same water that existed on the Earth when it's millions, of, well, thousands of millions of years ago is still the water that we are using today. Just kind of cycles around. So, so the water that we are are working with, some of that is the same water that that Jesus was was involved with. Um, the United States uses about three hundred and forty-six thousand million gallons of fresh water every day. Um, and in the United States, nearly eighty percent of its water is for irrigation and thermoelectric power. The average person in the United States uses anywhere from 80 to 100 gallons of water per day, and flushing the toilet actually takes the largest amount of this water. By the time a person feels thirsty, his or her body has lost over 1% of its total water amount. So, so water plays a big part. It makes up a lot of our composition. It makes up a lot of the, the world's composition. So it doesn't surprise me that water is also used a lot for God to show God's power um, through different people throughout the Bible. Um, we're going to hear things about um, Moses and Joshua, Elijah, and Jesus. So, um, so, because, so starting back in Genesis, even before that, we see the power of water on the earth through the story of Noah and the flood. And so it's from Genesis chapter 7, verses 11 through 16. It says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. The rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day Noah with his sons, Shem and Ham and Jephthah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons entered the ark. They and every wild animal of every kind, and all domestic animals of every kind, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every bird of every kind, every bird, every winged creature, they went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was, was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female, all of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And then we know that it continued to rain then for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devastation that took place. So just thinking about that, how the power of God had to create this rain to fall so long to kind of reset the earth. Some may not consider that necessarily a miracle in the same sense that we're, where we've been talking about miracles, but it shows God's power and the use of water in this way. So if we move along in, in our scriptures and we come to Moses, 
leading the Israelites out of captivity, captivity through the Red Sea. So in Exodus, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them all. All of the Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers, all the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of the fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. The pursuers drowned. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So I think that this miracle, this action that God is showing through this water, is showing God's compassion for God's people. If you're familiar with the story, you know that the, the Hebrew, the Israeli people, have been in captivity in Egypt. And they're being freed from their captivity. captivity. Pharaoh's army is still chasing after them after even after releasing them, kind of still trying to get them back. And so they face this body of water. So what are they going to do? They can't swim across it. It's too, too wide and deep. And so God, through God's compassion, allows Moses the ability to use the staff that he was given to, um, to part this water. And so that the Israelites can cross through and, ha and live in freedom. And so it's a, a show of compassion that God is, is, is giving for God's people, and the people are able to then live in, in the freedom away from what they've been oppressed through. So God, through this act of water, is freeing people to be who God wants them to be. Well, and with Moses, water doesn't end there. Um, God continues to meet the needs of the people when when they call out to God in, in the need. And so Moses, again in Exodus, um, pe the people are complaining about the lack of water. And so God hears this need and helps Moses supply this need with, with water once again. So it says, From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at, at Rephidim, but there were no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt, to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people, and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it, so that the people may drink. 
Moses did so. In the sight of the elders of Israel, he called the place Massa and Meribah, because Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So once again, in the people's need, in this time of, of, of suffering, they were saying in, other, in parts of the story, we should have just stayed in, in captivity. We had everything we needed. You brought us out here into the wilderness to die. We need food. We need water. We don't see any. But God provided. Possibly, in a strange way, striking a stone to allow water to come. But in this need, God showed compassion once again to supply the needs that they were facing. So Moses is not the only one that is able to call on God to allow the people to cross water. Um, as we continue through the 40 years of, of wilderness wandering, they face another, another body of water. This time it's the Jordan. And so we come to uh, Joshua has taken the lead um, in, in place of, of Moses. And so we read here in Joshua 3 that when the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks, and throughout the time of harvest, so when those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, while those flowing toward the sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all Israel were crossing over on the dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. So once again, we have God allow, um, allowing the priests to, to dry up this land, this water, so that they're able to cross. This time they're crossing into the Promised Land. And so as they cross into the promised land, their identity is being formed. At one time, they were, they were captives, then they were wandering, and now they're entering into the promised land that God, has pro that God promised them. And so this mark of, of power, allowing this water to recede, is entering into fulfillment of the promise, that things that are promised will come to fruition. They didn't think it was going to take 40 years. God wasn't, maybe wasn't planning for that to take 40 years, but through, through the, the trials that they went through, they made it. They, after long periods of time, what God promises will happen. It doesn't always have to be long periods of time, but in God's time, it happens. The Ark of the Covenant, representing God, being with them throughout this journey, and that's how the power was received to, to perform this miracle. So one more um, illustration from the Old Testament comes from, the, from Elijah in the book of the First Kings. Um, Elijah is a prophet that um, is kind of in battle with uh, the local prophets, uh, the prophets of Baal, which is kind of a, a foreign god. And so there's a test to see whose god is really present, whose god is powerful. And so in this test, Elijah talks to, to the god of the, the Hebrews, and um, this is what, what it says. Um, so in verse 1, it starts, and then we'll skip to 41. It says, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year of the drought, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the earth. 
Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is sound of rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. There he bowed himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. He went up and looked and said, There is nothing. Then he said, Go again, seven times. At the seventh time he said, Look, a little cloud no bigger than a person's hand is rising out of the sea. Then he said, Go, say to Ahab, Harness your chariot and go down before the rain stops. In a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind. There was a heavy rain. Ahab rode off and went to Jezreel. But the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran in front of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So once again, God proving that God is present, that the other uh, the priests were trying to call upon their God, and nothing happened. But when Elijah was able, to, Elijah called upon God to help. God responded, and this, the drought was over, proving again that God was present. So finally, we move into the New Testament, and we get to Jesus. Um, Jesus, as we discovered, for those of you that um, have been part of the series for a while, and, and those who are in Spy will, will learn more throughout the week, um, learn more about the miracles that Jesus performed. A couple of the miracles are involving water, um, primarily um, calming the seas and walking on water are the two that I'm going to be talking about. So in Matthew um, chapter 8, we have the story of um, calming of the seas. So the, um, it says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. A windstorm arose on the sea, so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a dead calm. They were amazed, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So this miracle raises the question with the disciples of who Jesus is, because even the winds and the sea obey him. But the answer comes in, in the next passage that we'll read that deals with Jesus walking on water. So the, but before we get there, um, the, the disciples are the ones that have been traveling with Jesus, that have been part of his ministry all this time. And their confusion over who, who he is and not understanding exactly what, what, what Jesus represents, where he comes from. And so this, this idea of even the winds and the rain, the water, listens to who Jesus is. In their thought, there's only one person that is able to do, have control over nature and over creation, and that would be God. And so who, who is this person who is doing this? And so it follows up by his next uh, water miracle, Mark chapter 6, where it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out in the sea, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. 
But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not, not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Um, Abby, can you just go back, one more, back to that screen one more time? Um, you notice, please, in verse 49, just find that where it says, It is I. And we're going to come talk about that a little bit, so you can just leave that up. So Jesus walking on water is actually one of the more unique miracles that is performed. And many times when Jesus performs these miracles, it is before an audience, before a crowd, so that they all may see what is happening. This particular miracle, only the disciples are there to witness it. And so I think it, it, it's showing that this miracle is really, the, the disciples had something that they needed to learn, that they needed to understand. I think that helps us as disciples today, to allows us to have room that if we have questions and doubts, that it's okay, because these people who were, who were with Jesus all the time had those same questions and doubts. And so and that something that I think that can, can help all of us uh, feel better about ourselves and where we are on our journeys. Um, the miracle of the loaves, the, the feeding of the 5,000, is what is immediately preceding these stories. Um, if you read the Gospels, you also see that some of the stories get moved around in different places. And so, um, but in the reference to this, the feeding of the 5,000 just took place. And so this is immediately after that. That's dismissing the crowds from feeding the 5,000. But that miracle should have prepared them for this, um, which happened immediately before. The multiplying the bread and the walking on the water are equally unexplainable in relation to nature. Um, a sick person may get well without medical care, but bread will never multiply. Even a person who has appeared to die may restart breathing, but liquid water will never sustain a walking man, at least um, in, without any other um, hydraulics or something. Personal faith might heal a sick person, but no amount of faith will make broken pieces of bread multiply or, water, or warm water become firm. These are miracles that contradict anything that nature would ever do. In a sense, they are creation miracles. They create new laws of nature, not merely manipulate them. The discipleship have grasped that fact. It is understandable to be surprised by Jesus' appearance, but not to be incredulous. Indeed, what this miracle should have made clear to them was the glory of the Son of God, which was Jesus' intention all, the, all along. If you look back over the story, it becomes evident that Jesus had possibly set up his disciples. And he, he told them, you guys go on without me, I'll, I'll catch up. Well, they're in a boat, so it's kind of hard to catch up when there's no other boats there. Did you already know how he was going to do this? And oh, what a coincidence that a strong wind catches them on the water. Um, did he know that that all was going to come, was going to happen? Or did he make the wind happen so that he could come out and reveal himself? Mark adds a line not mentioned in the other Gospels, that Jesus saw them out on the lake struggling, and was he thinking, oh my goodness, my disciples need me, or, or everything is working according to plan, now it's time for me to make my entrance. In, uh, in verse 48, it says, um, he was about to pass them by. But why would Jesus walk out to the disciples only to pass them by? 
One thought, it said it's, he only seemed to be going on like the time in the road to Emmaus where he was walking on, hoping that they would invite him back. But this was, I believe, in a way, he wanted them to know who he was. And so that's why I bring us back to, um, to this verse, in ver- in, uh, verse 49, when he says, Take heart, it is I. The disciples would have been familiar with the name of God being I am. And so, as Jesus approaches them and says, It is I, Jesus is saying, It is God. Claiming that person of who Jesus is in this position. So, walking on water, this miracle is recorded in three of the four Gospels, which means that it's got some prominence in, in the life of Jesus and sharing with with readers today. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that's recorded in all four. Uh, the miracle, however, was much more than just Jesus doing the impossible. It's showing that Jesus is God. That Jesus has the same power and authority over creation that only God would have. So if we look back over all these stories that we that we looked at this morning, um, we've got Moses and Joshua and Elijah, the ants, the the passing on of one person to another through this power over water by God's um, presence, crossing the river, crossing the sea, crossing the river, bookends this time of wilderness travel and allowing the people to be God's people in their new land. We know that the people recognized that God's hand was upon Moses when, when the Lord led them through the Red Sea, when they were brought out of Egypt. When Moses had died, the people knew that the mantle had been passed to Joshua when he performed a miracle crossing the Jordan. And then also with Elijah, when Elijah calls on God to make it rain. And then finally, we come to Jesus, where God's hand rests upon Jesus, and Jesus has the same power that God was using through these other individuals. So today, we too have the opportunity to receive part of that, that mantle, that passing on of the blessing of God. Many of us in the room have been baptized as a way of initiating ourselves into God's family. And so this morning, as we, um, later in the service, when we come forward or arise for, to receive Holy Communion, there's a, a basin of water here um, that I'm going to invite you to just dip your, your fingers into, just to touch the water that's here. Um, it's, you're not being baptized. That's not what we're doing today. It's simply a way of, of physically touching the water that has been provided by God, that we all have that same ability to perform these miraculous events that, that God enabled Moses and, and Elijah and Joshua and Jesus to do. None of them could do it on their own. They all invoked God's presence. The water was a symbol of, of, of doing a, a way of that it was operating. And so we too can, can take hold of that, that presence that God has given to each of us and, 
by being part of the water, by being a part of what God's plan for the for creation for for the world. And so I do hope that as you come forward, as we're um, either presenting your offering later or coming for communion or whatever you feel moved during the rest of the service, to come forward and just touch the water and recognize that you too have that ability to be to perform miracles that God's presence and is part of us that God is helping us on this journey so let us pray almighty god we we thank you for your presence in our lives we thank you for the power that you hold and the authority that you pass on to others to to work on your behalf as we read in the scriptures about the work of Moses and Joshua, Elijah, and Jesus, we know that they could not have done any of those things without you guiding them and directing them, giving them those abilities. So we ask you now to, to be with each of us, to help us in our, in our growth and our journey as we go out into the world and we and we are your, your people today, that we may touch the water and, and, and feel the miracles that can come about through your ability. We ask that you be with those who are coming to this community to, to serve this week, and so that they may be a miracle to someone that they've never met before. We also ask you to be with those who, are, who worship in this community every week, that, that they may be a miracle in the lives of those that they interact with, whether it's people they know or people that they may meet. That we all have a, a place in your kingdom, and there are, all, there are people that are, are searching and allow us to be that light, that, that love, that presence that they are longing for. We ask all these things in the one who came to earth to, to show us how to live and how to love and how to serve. In your son, Jesus. Amen.